Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com/fool. Welcome to Market Foolery for January 24th. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined by Matt Argersinger from Motley Fool Million Dollar Portfolio and David Kretzman from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Canada. All, all up north. That's right, gentlemen. Welcome. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming down. You know, south of the border here. <sighs> I know it's, it's a little bit warmer. I was getting cold up there, and I want to give a quick plug. Today we're launching Hidden Gems Canada, uh, our brand new service up in Canada. And last night we had a live chat with Molly Fool co-founder and CEO Tom Gardner. And I'll just say that at the end. Uh, Totally arbitrarily, he he gave a tease that he'll give new members of Hidden Gems Canada his top two favorite U.S. small caps. So if you're interested in checking out the live chat okay. and just everything else we have going on with the campaign, fool.ca/hiddengems. We have some cool stuff. Leave it to Tom. Okay, yeah. Tom G. No okay, less. well, guys, on today's show we're going to talk some Baidu and we're going to talk some Disney. But let's begin with Comcast. Comcast reporting stronger than expected fourth quarter earnings. David. Some really nice numbers here, including a $12.7 billion gain from changes to the tax code. Comcast also buying back some stock and increasing its dividend. Yeah, this is a company you hate to like, but I mean, it's a, it's a decent business at the end of the day. Uh, they're. A lot of times, you'll see headlines that they're losing video customers, and that is true. They lost 33,000 video customers this quarter. They lost 13,000 voice customers. But what's really driving, continuing to drive the business is their high-speed internet business, their broadband business, which added 350,000 new subscribers this quarter. And just to give some high-level context, in 2009, they had 16 million total broadband internet subscribers and they're almost at 26 million today. So over the past yeah, 7 or 8 years they've added uh, close to 10 million new subscribers. And now they have more internet subscribers than than video. So uh, a nicely diversified business. It's a sticky relationship as we all unfortunately know. Once you, a lot of times there isn't really uh, any other option if you want internet or video. So they lock in that relationship, and then they can find other ways to to add on with home security services or other things through that Xfinity brand. So, a company that continues to churn out a lot of cash over the past year, they generated close to twelve billion dollars in free cash flow. As you mentioned, Mac, that gives them a lot of leeway to bump up share purchases. They have a one and a half percent dividend yield. So, it's a solid business, trading at about twenty times trailing earnings. But yeah, you you hate to like it at all. Okay, so taking everything you just said and marrying it to this whole cutting the cord narrative that we hear over and over. As an investor, what do I do with that? What do I do with Comcast and cutting the cord? Well, I think going back to like obviously they are losing video customers who are cutting the cord, but if you're cutting the cord, you're not uh, completely leaving content behind. You're usually going to be subscribing to an internet-based service, in which case you're going to sign up for their high-speed internet service. So they're not actually losing customers at the end of the day. They're actually seeing a net gain of subscribers over time as more people drift to these internet services. So the underlying business continues to be in healthy shape. Okay, guys, let's move on to the Chinese internet search giant Baidu. Baidu looking to deepen its partnership with Netflix. Now, last year Netflix signed a deal with Baidu to provide programs like Stranger Things 
things um, to Baidu's streaming service. In an interview with CNBC this week, Baidu's president hinted that there may be more deals to come, more deals bringing more Netflix content to China. Matt, what does it mean? It's a it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal if you're Baidu or you're, and you're the IGE service, which happens to be uh, kind of the neck and neck leading streaming service uh, in China with Alibaba and Tencent. But with IGE, you've got 200 million unique monthly users, uh, over 20 million paying subscribers. So it is kind of trying to adopt that Netflix model. And so, and Netflix has been trying, as many U.S. companies have been trying for years to get into China, and they saw IGE as sort of a licensing partner, a way to get a foot into China, and they did that last year. And I think the hint of more content from Netflix coming into China via IGE is very exciting. I mean, if you think about it, Netflix is now worth. You know, over a hundred billion dollars after the uh, this week's earnings. So impressive. Do you think, Mac, that the leading video streaming service in China could also maybe be worth a hundred billion? I mean, there's more people in China and everything. And IGE right now is is roughly the leader. And uh, you know, that valuation is more than Baidu's worth uh, right now in its entirety. So it's very exciting. I think if you're a Baidu shareholder, because IGE is is going to get this great content, which I think. You know, Chinese customers are really hungering for. There's also a rumor out there that uh, Baidu, it's, it's a legitimate rumor that Baidu might actually spin off iQiyi as well later this year. And so, as a Baidu investor, you'll get shares in iQiyi, which could be its own independent company. Uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's very exciting. I think Baidu recognizes that having quality original content is the right way to continue to attract paying subscribers. And we know Netflix has some of the best content out there. Yeah, and certainly, for better or worse, the competitive dynamics in China are great for IGE and Baidu because there there really can't be any external competition just due to the regulatory framework there. So that gives them an advantage where Netflix can't directly offer its services in China. You've seen a lot of, I think, a good amount of U.S. companies or companies outside of China trying to serve that market, but they either get turned down by the government or they just for whatever reason, can't get their offerings to, to stick there. So, that gives a, a huge advantage for Baidu and iQiyi to bring a, a lot of this great international content into China, and then continue to develop their own content without a whole lot of competition, the same way that you see outside of China. And I think it's telling that iQiyi is choosing Netflix as the partner. I mean, we know Netflix has great content, but the one thing that Netflix has done so well at is really broadening the type of content that they have from comedy to dramas um, you know to serials and it's just and you know producing content in a lot of different countries that appeal to a lot of different cultures or audiences and i think that's very attractive to china which is trying to kind of broaden that reach within its own country Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Well, Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple. Guys, you don't hear the word simple applied to the mortgage process very often. No, it's very complicated. Very complicated. A lot of paperwork, a lot of signing, just signing, <laughs> signing, papers, papers. Well, Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. And guys, for our final story, I want to talk about the Disney versus Netflix coming cage match. <laughs> okay, on yesterday's Market Foolery, Chris talked about Netflix's earnings, and I want to pull that thread out a bit more because what we learned in Netflix's Monday night earnings call is that Disney's direct-to-consumer subscription service, which which they're going to be launching in 2019, we know now they have at least one subscriber. 
And that subscriber, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings. In the Netflix call on Monday, Hastings said that he expects Disney's service to be very successful and said that he'll be a subscriber. Hastings also said that Netflix doesn't see Disney's service as a threat any more than Hulu has been. David, what do you think about Hastings' assessment of Disney? Well, it's interesting because over the years, this is really what Hastings has said about the competition. He's never been one to badmouth the competition, whether it was HBO or Hulu or Amazon and now Disney. Uh, on the conference call, he mentioned that they have a lot to learn from Disney and they'll be curious to see what, what Disney does, how they uh, interact with users, what that whole interface looks like. And I think it also gets to the point that Netflix has said over the years that it isn't a zero sum game, that consumers aren't going to just subscribe to one of these video offerings. You might, you know, you'll you'll get access to Amazon um, their their Prime movies just by being a Prime member. Uh, you might subscribe to HBO and Netflix. So similar to how how you're not just subscribing uh, to, to cable for just one or two channels necessarily, you have access to a lot of different channels. I think in this uh, direct consumer age, you'll be subscribed to a variety of these uh, different apps. I think the concern that some people have, because actually when I was out at CES. 2018, a couple weeks ago, I had a chance to inter interview a couple authors, and there was a good amount of bearishness toward Netflix, mainly because of this looming competition from Disney. And essentially, the, the common thread there was that everyone is gunning for Netflix. Like Netflix is clearly the, the um, top dog with online streaming, and you have the big dogs like Amazon and Disney going after Netflix. And Potentially, the disadvantage that Netflix has is they have a one-pronged business model. They only make money through these monthly subscriptions, whereas Disney has the parks and the movies and everything else. Uh, Amazon obviously has the the retail side of things, but Netflix, potentially, I, I think the the argument you could see bears making is that Netflix could become similar to the position that Pandora is in today, where you're going up against Apple and Amazon and all these huge tech giants that. Don't need that to be their main revenue generator, and could that potentially squeeze Netflix down the line? So I'd say that's that's the bearish um, argument that I see over over the long term. But I don't know. Netflix has been up against the Goliaths before with the DVD business. You know, they they took on Blockbuster, and I, I wouldn't underestimate Netflix now. So I don't think it's going to be a be all end all with with Disney's um, amped up competition. Yeah, I mean, and also I think there's a, a beautiful part of the simplicity that Netflix has of just focusing solely on. Producing and delivering great content. It doesn't have the distractions, the other business lines that your Disney or your Amazon is going to have. And so I like that from that stone of view. I really like Netflix a lot. But I think in five years, if we look down the road a little bit, I think it's very possible that we have four big platforms or brands in video streaming. I think Amazon, Netflix, YouTube, and then Hulu Disney. Uh, and I, the reason I say Hulu Disney is because I I kind of think of those with especially with um, Disney in the process of buying 20, 21st Century Fox and acquiring a majority stake in Hulu that I think, I still think that's going to become their go-to platform. I know they're, tar they're talking about having that separate Disney app and the separate ESPN app, but I don't know why you would do that. I think the, the right strategic move would just be to go after Hulu and make Hulu your sort of that's where all the Disney content sort of gravitates towards. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you set aside CBS, Viacom. I think you forget Comcast, NBC, which we talked about earlier. I even think you put aside HBO. I think your final four: Amazon, Netflix, YouTube, and Hulu, Disney. And um, I think eventually, and I think that might be the future. Reed Hastings sees a little bit as well, and that these four platforms might. Everyone might subscribe to them, and they might complement each other. They don't necessarily have to be competing directly with each other. So, along those lines, 
maybe there's room for all of those on the consumer level. But we're a show for investors, and we're investors. So when you look at those final four, do you think those are all market beaters? Because it's one thing to say that there's both room for Netflix and Disney, but it's a completely different thing to say that they're both going to be market beating stocks. I think with Netflix, I mean, you have a hundred billion dollar company now. I think realistically, the company could have several hundred million subscribers in in five years or so, just as they continue to see higher penetration internationally. Because when you look at countries like Brazil, where they've operated for four plus years now, it's something like seventy seven percent of Brazilian households with broadband subscribe to Netflix now. So just incredible penetration. And if you can play that out, even not necessarily to that degree, but play out that increased penetration globally in these relatively newer markets that they're in, that really will bump up their subscriber count a huge amount in the coming years. So, I think the the question mark with Netflix remains, when do they get to a point where that content spending, which is supposed to hit $8 billion this year, when do you get to a point where that plateaus and it doesn't keep increasing by several billion dollars each year? I think Reed Hastings alluded to that, or one of the managers on the conference call alluded to that potentially happening in the next couple of years. So that's the main question mark I have: is when will that content spending finally plateau, and you'll see more of that subscription revenue drop to the bottom line? Because at this point, they're pumping so much into that content spending, and they're relying on on debt for that. So that puts the company in a little bit more of a precarious position financially than some of those other big dogs that they're going up against. But I think that they'll continue to to do really well. There's they're still just at the very early stages of capturing that global market. Yeah, I'll echo what DK just said. I mean, I think Netflix is the riskiest of the four because I mean, with Amazon, the video streaming service sort of reinforces their prime business and reinforces their e-commerce business. For YouTube, it reinforces Google and Alphabet's advertising business. And of course, for Hulu Disney, I keep using that word Hulu Disney. I think you know, I think that I like trademarked it. that. I like it. But yeah, nice. no, I mean, it reinforces everything else Disney does when their parks and their 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 movies and everything else. And so Netflix is sort of the pure play, which makes it exciting, but it definitely makes it the riskiest of the four by far. And I noticed you did not mention the name Apple. Yeah, I mean, I, Apple's. You know, the, the weird, the interesting thing is, Apple's is is the company that stands out as sort of the. The, the the hardware the platform the place the, the screen that we're looking at in most cases for for all this content you know and I, you know it did occur to me as we were talking about Netflix that you know going forward a partner like Apple <laughs> might be the way you sort of stand up to these other uh, titans right I mean it's and yeah. Apple's got a plenty of cash looking for original content on its own. You know, I mean, $100 billion is not quite a drop in the bucket as it was, you know, as Netflix was a few years ago, but um, it's still very digestible for something like Apple. And, and one other thing I'll mention too, I, I think people underestimate the advantage that Netflix has from a head start perspective. Like they have years of, of data that they've accumulated on users, both with the DVD business and then now with the online streaming business. So by far, they have the most data of any of these companies, Disney included, of what consumers are watching, when they watch it, what they prefer. And, and I, I wouldn't underestimate that advantage, because Disney is really going in blind. They haven't done direct-to-consumer with these TV shows or movies before. Obviously, their content tends to do very well, so I don't think that's a huge hurdle for them. But I wouldn't underestimate that that is a competitive advantage for Netflix going forward. That's such a great point, because when you hear Head Start, I, I tend to immediately jump to Disney and think of their library and just everything that they can populate that library with from day one. But to your point, David, they don't have the analytics near as much as Netflix does. And that maybe maybe we're kind of taking that 
for granted. Yeah, this is new territory for Disney. So I'm I'm curious to see what that user interface and that user experience looks like because they haven't had a, a direct consumer platform like this before, and they are going in blind with a lot of that data. So I think that that is something that really is uh, sort of a hidden advantage to Netflix. That I think is overlooked because having years of data that really helps Netflix, especially now that they're relying more and more on their original content that. Disney can pull all of its content from Netflix now, and Netflix didn't bat an eye. They added even more subscribers this past quarter, and you're not seeing a whole lot of concern for management. So I think that that really shows that that data is a is a big advantage. Well, we will keep an eye on it, guys. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Matt. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.